man, such a powerful song. And as I was listening to John, one of the initial lines that he says is, Jesus, sorry about last night. We both know I tried. And I immediately began to think about all of the times in my life where I messed up and I slipped up. I thought about all of the times where I said, God, I wouldn't doubt your power. I wouldn't doubt your might. I wouldn't doubt your plans for my life. But the moment something doesn't go exactly how I see fit for it to go, I begin to doubt God again. And, and I don't know about you, but I'm sure I'm not the only one in the room who has ever felt this way. You, you said you wouldn't get angry, but yet you, you, you got angry again. You, you said you wouldn't have doubts, but the moment something didn't work out in your favor, you, you got mad and, and, and then you found yourself doubting again. Or you told yourself, Lord, I'm going to stop drinking, but yet you wake up the next morning with a hangover. You, you said, Lord, I'm not going to have lustful eyes anymore, but yet you find yourself looking at things you know you should not be looking at. You said you would stop yelling at your kids, but the moment they did something that disapproved, you disapproved of, you, you got mad and, and, and you found yourself yelling. Or maybe you feel like the world is closing in. You see what's going on in the world. You, you see uh, the, what's going on in Afghanistan and what's going on in Haiti. You maybe have doubts about the government's agenda, and you feel like the world is in pieces. And you feel like John in, in the song, Jesus, I have my doubts. And you're wondering, God, do you see what's going on? Do you, do you care? Well, if any of you have doubts, I want to assure you that if anybody can handle your doubts, God can handle your doubts. But before we get there, I want to welcome you back to another worship experience here at Miles City. And my name is David Clark. I am a church planner apprentice here at Miles City, and I just am honored and excited to be able to share with you on today as we are continuing our series, No Doubt. This series has been so, so good. Hey, have any of you ever had any uncertainties or doubted something? The fact is this, that as humans, we all face doubts. It's human tendency or nature for us to have doubts. When you think about your life, I'm sure you could think of a bunch of times in your life where something didn't go exactly how you planned, but yet you found yourself building up with doubt. Well, we all have doubts. Doubts can be something as small as what shirt I'm going to wear today, or maybe you have doubts if you will ever get into that school you really see yourself getting into. Maybe you have doubts whether or not you're good enough to make that baseball team or that basketball team. Doubts can be something that all of us deal with. Or, or doubts can be something as big as, will I ever get married? Or maybe you just met somebody and you have a connection with that person, but something in the back of your mind begins to just go off and you say, I, I wonder what this person thinks about me. I, I, I wonder if this person really truly likes me. When you really think about it, doubts are everywhere. In a world full of doubts and uncertainties, we want to look at 1 John chapter 4. John gives us confidence that we can be completely sure about God's love. But before we get there, let us pray. God, we just thank you for this moment 
God, for the one who has tuned in, God, I pray for them that in a world full of uncertainties and things that are going on in our world, it seems chaotic at times, and sometimes those things cause us to fill with doubt. I pray that this message would reassure them that your love prevails, that when you sent your son Jesus Christ for us, you sent love and action just for us. And we pray this prayer in your son Jesus' name. Amen. So today we're talking about love. Love is so powerful. It is so vocal that movies were produced in the name of love. We have the awesome movie Titanic where Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet play two characters who live in two extremely different social classes. Rose, who is Kate and is extremely rich, but then you have Jack, who is extremely poor. These two people meet on a boat and they fall in love and they have this romantic experience. Then we have one of my favorite personal favorites. You have love and basketball, where you have Quincy and Monica, who literally grew up as next-door neighbors. They, they grow up as best friends, but then as they are growing, they go off to school, and, and they are pursuing their basketball careers. And while they're pursuing their basketball careers, a roller coaster of events happen, and then ultimately they reunite and they fall in love. They have this one scene where they're on the court playing one-on-one for each other's heart. But then you have Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston. You know that awesome movie that we love, The Bodyguard, where Kevin Costner plays this bodyguard who has the assignment to follow around the singer, actress, Whitney Houston. And as he is following her, something intimate happens and they begin to fall in love for each other. Love is so powerful. Love is so deep that hundreds of millions of songs were written and inspired in the name of love. Some of those songs have been produced, so you have Al Green, Let's Stay Together, and there's some deception in the lyrics to his song. There's a line that says, so many deceive you, you wouldn't do that to me. Or you have The Foreigners, which produced the song, I Want to Know What Love Is. The first lines are, I got to take a little time, got to think some things over. There's some deception in that. What about the famous Dolly Parton song that was re-sung by Whitney Houston? You know that famous Billboard chart song, I Will Always Love You? Love is powerful that movies were created and songs were created. But I want to take us on a journey to look at the love of God. The main theme of John chapter 4 is love. In fact, John mentions love over 26 times in that chapter alone, which should be a good indicator to each of us that, you know, there's something important that John wants us to know about love. So what is it that John wants us to know about love? Well, as we dive in, we see John showing us that our love is to be shown through our actions. Love is in action. Let, let us read, let us read the script. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever love has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. 
I highlighted the word love because I think it's important for us to understand that in the Greek, there are several different forms of love. We have philia, which is a love that you will have towards a close friend. Then you have eros. This is where we get the English term erotic. This is the love where two people are physically attracted to one another. Then you have the love of storage. Storage is the kind of love that you would share with your family. This is the kind of love that a mother and a father would have towards their child and a child would have towards their mother and father. Then we have agape love. Agape is the kind of love that is universal. It is unconditional. And this is the love that John is referring to when he says, Beloved, let us love one another. Agape love is a love that best describes the the character and nature of who God is. Agape is the kind of love that God has for humanity, and this love can only be produced through action. As I was a kid running around when I was younger, I remember I used to say, I love you, I love you, I love you. But then my dad wanted to teach me a lesson. He stopped me one time and he said, son, don't just tell people that you love them, but rather show people that you love them. And when I was young, I didn't fully understand what my dad was trying to teach me. But the older I got, I realized that so many people say, I love you, but they don't put any actions behind the words. And what my dad was trying to get me to understand is that if you truly love someone, if you truly care for someone, it's not about how many times you say, I love you, but it's about the actions that you put behind the word, I love you. When I was thinking about love and action, I was thinking about John chapter 21. It is Jesus and his disciples are spending time together, and it's early in the morning. And as they they had just finished eating breakfast, Jesus looks over to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? Peter turns to Jesus and he says, Jesus, you know I love you. Jesus then says to Peter again, well, if you love me, feed my sheep. Jesus asks Peter again, Peter, do you love me? Peter says to Jesus, Lord, you know I love you. Then Jesus says, if you love me, then tend to my sheep. Another time comes across, Jesus says to Peter again, Peter, do you love me? Then Peter, it says after the third time, Peter is now grieved. He is sorrowful because He knew that Jesus was God and that if Jesus is God, he should have known that Peter loved him. But what Peter was failing to realize is Jesus was calling Peter to action. Jesus isn't worried about how many times you say, I love you, but rather Jesus was trying to get Peter to see that if you love me, it's about what you're willing to do for others. He says, feed my sheep. Now, when Jesus says, feed my sheep, he's not literally talking about uh, sheep, but what Jesus is talking about, he will often refer to himself as the good shepherd. And you can find that in John chapter 10, verse 11, Jesus will often say, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. 
Jesus knew a time would come where he would lay down his life for his sheep, his, his people. So Jesus tells Peter, if you love me, feed my people. If you love me, tend to my people. This is love in action, a love that is willing to do for others. God is using John to challenge us today to live love in action. John says, let us love one another. That phrase, one another, is used in the New Testament over a hundred times, but yet 59 of those times are specific commandments that teach us how to love one another. And if you're taking notes, uh, this would be a good a couple of scriptures for you to write down. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, it says, comfort one another. In John 13, 1 through 20, it says, serve one another. Galatians 6 and 2 says, bear ye one another's burdens. Ephesians 4 and 32 says, forgive one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says, encourage one another. James 5, verse 16 says, pray for one another. And 1 John 4 and 7 says, love one another. Love in action. I want you to consider some practical ways that you could possibly love in action. Ask yourself these questions. Who in my life needs to experience the love of God? Maybe there's a neighbor who needs to experience God's love. Or maybe there's somebody on your job who needs to experience the love of God. Or somebody in your family who you haven't talked to in a while. Who in your life could you show the love of God to? The second question I want to ask is, what kind act can you live out this week that will let somebody know that they're loved? Maybe it's a, a phone call that you need to make to somebody you haven't talked to in a while, or maybe it's a lunch date where you sit down and you catch up with somebody you haven't sat with in a long time. As believers, as people who are searching, we should live out God's love. Then this leads us to our second point, which is love is sacrificial. Love is sacrificial, and let us keep reading. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. When I think about love being sacrificial, I think about one of the ways that God expressed his love towards humankind God sends Jesus into the world so that we would have a chance to live through him. When I think about that, that's, that's deep. I don't have any children, but maybe you're a parent. Just imagine having to send your only child into a world so that people might receive or accept them. When God sent Jesus into the world, it was a reflection of his love, that he loved you and I so much that he took a chance and sent his only begotten son so that people might receive him. Might is not an 
absolute. It's a possibility. And God expressed his love to us so much so that he sent his only begotten son into the world. And we all know how cruel and how mean the world can be at times. But yet God did this to give you and I a chance to receive Jesus into our hearts. Love is sacrificial. It gives up something. God knew that when he sent Jesus into the world that people would talk about Jesus. God, God knew that people would try to stone Jesus in John chapter 10. God, God knew that people would walk out of Jesus' life. He knew that one of his disciples, Judas, would betray him. God knew that people would doubt the power of his son. God knew that people would spit on him and mock him, and he knew that his son, Jesus, would die on a cross. God sent Jesus knowing all of that because he loved us. God sent his son into the world, into a mean world, so that we could have meaningful relationship with the Father. I want you to say, get this, God loves you. I want you to say this to yourself, God loves me. Make it personal, get selfish with, with it. God loves me. God knew that you would miss the mark. God knew that you would fall short. He, he knew all of this, and that is good news, that God knew that we would mess up and we would sin and we would go astray, but yet he sent his son into a world so that we would have access to salvation. He knew that you would lie. He knew that you would cheat. He, he knew that you would steal. He, he knew all of these things, and yet God took a chance on you and sent his son, Jesus, into your life. Love is sacrificial. But then we see our third point, and it's love, it casts out fear. Let, let, let us read, let us read. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so, also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This phrase, uh, love cast out fear, that statement has been taken out of context for a long time because when you look at love cast out fear, it looks as if love is the antidote or the answer that frees you from every fear in your life and you don't have to go through life carrying fears, but that is not true. What John is teaching us is that when we have the love of Jesus Christ in us, we abide in Jesus and that kind of love secures our salvation. John isn't talking about people who have fears of phobia or, or rats, snakes, heights, any of those things. No, John is talking to people who have confessed Jesus. Get this, after they confessed Jesus, they had a bad moment. Maybe they've sinned or slipped up. They thought based upon the sin that they committed that they were going to be punished. John comes along and he reassures those people who are afraid that they no longer have to fear because perfect love, the perfect love of God, casts out 
fears. That when we abide in God, God abides in us, and we experience an overwhelming love that casts out our fears. Maybe you feel like you keep falling short, and you think that your sin is going to punish you. But I want to remind you that when we abide in God and God abides in us, his overwhelming love frees us from punishment. I want to remind you that the perfect love of God, it secured us for salvation. Does it mean that you can continue to live a life of sin or you can continue to sin on purpose? No, that's not what the text is reminding us. It is saying to be intentional in living in God, that we can rest assured that God's love frees us from the penalty of death. You can be sure that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you no longer have to fear whether or not you're going to hell. That when you confess Jesus, he has secured you for eternity. Because the love of Jesus, it's what frees us. That the perfect love of God, when he sent his son Jesus Christ into the earth, he gave us his son so that we can accept salvation unto our hearts. The love of Jesus frees us. That through Jesus Christ, we are free from the heaviness of our doubts. As we wrap up, I want to remind us of these truths. God's love is sure. For we see that God's love was in action. Who, who in your life can you show the love of God to? How can you live out God's love towards someone else? We also see that God's love for humanity is sacrificial, that he was willing to give his son Jesus Christ so that we may have access to a Savior. But last but not least, God's love casts out fear. Maybe you've decided that through the message you, you considered your sins and your doubts. But I want to re reassure you that you no longer have to bear the weight of punishment because God sent his son Jesus Christ. I, I want us to go to prayer. At this moment, let me remind you of a Lord that has redeemed you of your life. Let us pray. Lord Jesus Christ, I confess my sins to you. Every time that I've slipped up and messed up, every time I went astray, God, I want to say thank you for forgiving me of those sins. Here on today, God, I put my faith in you. God, I believe that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I want to thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying in my place. Because you died in my place, I can walk and renew life the regenerated spirit, knowing that I have been sealed, saved, and freed.
God, I thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want to keep, uh, as we are continuing to pray, I want to continue to pray over us and say this prayer. Lord, I thank you, God, for reminding us how sure your love is. In a world with chaos and uncertainties and so many doubts, God, we need to put our trust in you. So God, we trust you that we trust your plans. We trust your ways. We trust that you have a plan for our lives and that even when we do not know what's going on, we put our hope and faith in you. God, thank you for reminding us of your love, that you are willing to sacrifice your son for us. Now, God, I pray that someone's would take the love that you have shown them today into their families, into their communities, into their relationships, and spread that love with a neighbor. God, thank you, and we love you. Amen. Hey, listen, guys, you don't have to do life alone. Maybe you have given your life to Jesus Christ. Here at Miles City, if you have decided to take that step, we want you to text Miles City to 94,000, and somebody from our staff will reach out to you and help you do life in community. Be blessed.